for all of your TNA needs, head to tensandaces.com. So if you're anything like me, you do a lot of your online shopping, well, a lot of your shopping at all on Amazon. So if this is a case for you and you're looking to buy something anyway, if you go to our website at tensandaces.com, near the top of the page, you will see an Amazon banner ad. If you click there, prior to making a purchase on Amazon, it will open up your Amazon app just like normal. Or if you're in a browser, go to the Amazon webpage just like it would normally if you were to type in amazon.com. The only thing that's different is that because you click through our referral link, the Tens and Aces podcast will get a small little commission on whatever you buy. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just a good way to support the show and show your love for TNA and, you know, help cover some of the cost that it costs to make this thing. So remember, if you're going to buy something on Amazon anyway, go to tensandaces.com, click the Amazon banner, and then you're good to go. And you're helping out something you like, like this podcast. And it's a win-win, win-win, win-win-win. Oh, and why I got you here, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Now, enjoy the show. One of these losers in Las Vegas who keeps thinking he's going to come up with a way to win at Blackjack. Are you ready for some TNA? Welcome to TNA, the Tens and Aces podcast. A podcast with true-to-life stories and experiences from advantaged players in the game of Blackjack. From pros crushing it and making a living counting cards, to newer players who are just making their way through all the ups and downs of what can be, at times, both an equally frustrating and beautiful game of AP Blackjack. Is this the kind of thing you want to hear? Well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. Here's your host, Mike AP. And welcome to the show today. As the man just said, I'm your host of this transmission of our experiment in imaginary radio that we like to call TNA, the Tens and Aces podcast. So if this is the kind of thing you want to hear, well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. Today's episode is part two with Blackjack AP Ghost. I hope you enjoy. Pretty early on, I was playing at a casino that had four different casinos on property. And if I showed max bets, I would ship up and I would go to a different casino, you know, just so that I didn't have to start over at table minimum. And I felt like that gave me longevity at that property. It's probably a good strategy in Vegas. Yeah, there's a lot of travel playing in Vegas, you know. They want you out of there as soon as you pass present. They don't care what type of play you are. You jump your bed, it's just like, see ya. Yeah, and for for one thing, especially if it's busy, they want your seat for a floppy. Absolutely. I was going to say, where do we go from there? Okay, so after boot camp, I took my bankroll from 15K to 55K. Uh, The boot camp was in March, and in late September, I was at a new all-time high of 55K. I was feeling comfortable as a player. Uh, I was more confident in my game. I was playing aggressive. You know, I felt like I had developed some really good habits on my own, but then just, you know, refined what I had been doing at the sure. camp. And uh, it was really a great part of my journey. It really felt like this is what I signed up for. You know, and I was at or above EV at the time, and things were good. Uh, my wife and I had a daughter in 2019, and uh, to ruffle to ruffle her feathers, I, I took a pic of my uh, new daughter with uh, a picture of the book The Blackjack Life by how that, how that worked out. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell that story over again. So my wife and I had a daughter in October of 2019. And while we were still at the hospital, 
ruffle her feathers a little because she's not really a Blackjack fan. I took a pic of my brand new baby daughter with the book The Blackjack Life in her crib, and I sent it to all my Blackjack buddies. I sent it to my in-laws. I sent it to anyone that I was texting about the newborn, and uh, you know she could not understand why I was so obsessed with playing Blackjack. And you know I definitely trolled her really hard on that. Yeah. Did you did you get a bad back from sleeping on the couch? <laughs> well, I had a bad back from sleeping on the uh, sleeping on the hospital yeah. the hospital couch. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that was so that was a whole new experience for me having you know having this newborn in the house and now I was feeling the pressure of more life responsibilities. It was making it harder to get out there and and play. And I also you know I, I didn't mention this before, but I, you know I have another one. She's she's a little bit older. She was about nine at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know so I started really diving into my family life just as I started to go on a ride into hell. So I topped off at about 55K and for the next 175 hours, I just got beat to a pulp. Um, wow. Yeah. So my first losing streak was 14 hours. You know, it was like ripping a band-aid. It was, it was over really fast. Thank God. You know, this was my first extended losing streak. And it just so happened to start right about the time that I started betting verbal. And I yeah. started off with some big L's. And losing was new to me at that point because I had just gone six months on a heater. And it didn't matter what I did. I was winning. You know, I was... You're top of the world. You're just having a baby. Everything was great. Yeah, life was awesome. And, you know, I really give it to having newborn at the house while all this was happening, too, mm-hmm. because it helped balance out, you know, the emotions of really seeing what I felt like was my hot work just disappear before my very eyes every single time I went out and played. Mm-hmm. But I kept losing and resizing, losing and resizing, all the way down to 28K. I was one big loss away from red chipping again, really, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, by the time I was done, you know, I started out 2 by 500 By the time I had hit 28K, I was then 2 by 250 It was an absolute bloodbath after bloodbath. You know, 20 sessions, I think I won 40. Um, wow. Yeah, that was just one little measure. It was like in 20 sessions, I won three sessions, and they were small wins compared to the enormous losses that I was taking. Did you yeah. ever bu- did you ever book a win just for mental purposes, even if it was like a dollar? <laughs> yeah, just call the session because I was up ten bucks or something. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, I've, I've been up fifty cents. Did it just for mental purposes? <laughs> All right, that's good. Yep, exactly. Anyway, I interrupted you again. Go ahead. Sorry. You know, at that point, I really started feeling like the plight of the lone wolf. You know, you read about that stuff in the forum all the time. You know, it's just really getting depressing and lonely. And I did have uh, a new network that I was, you know, talking to on a daily basis. And they helped me get through this losing streak. Um, you know, my last big loss was $6,000 in a half an hour. And that was a week before the shutdown. And that brought me down to 28K. So I went into the shutdown at an all-time low. I didn't, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that was the bottom of my losing. Um, but you know, that was the session that brought me into the shutdown. And uh, at that point, I was ready for a break. Like and the that, fact that I couldn't even go and play just gave me a little peace of mind that you know at least the hemorrhaging was going to stop for a second, mm-hmm. and I can lick my wounds and you know figure out where do I go from here. Because sure, you know, the losing isn't isn't ending. And uh, so I just made the decision to, you know, shop on my axe while the world was shut down. Uh, I was, you know, front load double decks all day long, just really getting into, you know, expanded indexes, 
Uh, I picked up some, you know, some more literature. I picked up advantage play for the casino executive. Mm-hmm. Kind of got this casino surveillance. Uh, just some stuff that I hadn't read before. And I just started really getting into the books, really, you know, staying with the fundamentals and dealing with myself and really just having that hunger that I had when I was first learning how to count. Right. Uh, you could have gone two ways there. You could have just said, oh, screw this, I'm done. The, when the coronavirus showed up. I'm out of here. You, but you went the other way. Right. What I What I found helpful was, so I would go into the books that I had and I would find the parts of the book that talk about using at blackjack and it's mm-hmm. out there and i use this as a tool to normalize the swings losing winning and become more familiar with processing both emotions right. both situations just part of the game you know and that's a great the more, the more level-headed that you can be processing wins and losses you know you are light years ahead of, of most of the players out there yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. Being even keel, not getting too high or too low. And when you're on your you know, six months can't lose streak, if you let yourself get too high, you're setting yourself up for a huge fall. Right. Yeah. I mean, one thing this losing streak taught me was how to take a punch. Like that. You still had you your know, balls. I still had my balls, man. You know, <laughs> I, was, I was beat up and bloody, but I still had balls in the bankroll. You know? And now I had even more experience. You know, um, Once the reopening happened, it was like, you know, Nice fresh start. I started winning again, and uh, you know, I I did well coming up out of the reopening. You know, I used any of the COVID um, COVID precautions mm-hmm. and the COVID um, procedures. Yes, I used all COVID procedures. You know, to my benefit, which I'm sure most APs card counters do, especially oh, yeah. the mask. The mask, right? Um, mm-hmm. I decided that you know the lone wolf scenario was getting stale too. I, after 175 hours of losing, uh, I, I felt like that my next logical step was maybe to find a team for a number of different reasons. Uh, you know, and Nubs had a bunch of guys that, you know, he was playing with and I was in contact with him. I've grown to, you know, have a friendship with him and respect, you know, I respected him as a person and, yeah. you know, I felt like he was an honest guy, you know, and somebody that I could see myself working with. Absolutely. When you're making decisions like this, you're really, you know, you really have to give us thought because dealing with a lot of money. You know? Yeah, someone could lie, just lie and take it. Right. You know, that happens probably more than anyone would ever find out. Yeah, from people you thought you trusted, sometimes right. even family. Yeah, yeah. Money is a money is a weird thing. Money makes yeah. people do weird things. Yeah. But, but Nubs, you know, Nubs uh, definitely. I can Did tell you? right off the bat, Nubs is a, a reputable guy. You know? Oh like, yeah. He. He was the type of guy I felt like, you know, did right by people, was friendly, was true in his heart that he wanted to, you know, help somebody out, that there were no ulterior motives, um, unless he's just the most brilliant con man there is. Like, I feel like he's a real deal as far as, you know, being a true good guy. Oh, he is. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, if he's not, he's like the ultimate sociopath. <laughs> totally. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but that's not, that's not, that's not. That's not him. He's a good dude. Your whole team's full of good dudes. Right. So, you know, taking that into consideration, and at that point in time, you know, I, there were a couple of guys I was playing with that I hadn't met yet, but I was familiar with Gus, um, and I decided to go on a road trip with them just outside of the team, just to tag along, have some camaraderie, sure. you know, go for a road trip, and uh, I had a great time, and I felt like this was, you know, this was supposed to be my next step, and I had been talking about it for a while, I was kind of kicking the tires and, you know, had pulled the trigger. And after that trip, 
I decided that the next quarter, you know, that if, uh, you know, if he was taking on team members that, you know, I would be willing to, to get with them. And so I, I did a, a checkout with Nubs and that went well. And, you know, the rest is really history as far as being part of A21. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so on that trip, I reached a new all time high. So I was feeling great about that. Like I finally came back from 175 hour. That was on the, the trip where you just tagging along with them? Yeah, on the trip that I was tagging along with Nubs and, and the team, I hit my new all-time high coming out of my 175-hour streak. Sweet. Yeah. And uh, so that was glorious. You know, uh, it felt like such a relief. It brought back some enthusiasm, especially, you know, coupled with the fact that now I was going to be joining with the guys for the next quarter. And, you know, I brought excitement back into the game for me. Absolutely. Getting out of those little valleys is always great. Right. And then you have the anticipation of joining up with them on top of that. It's great timing for that, right? Oh, yeah. You know, we uh, we took a trip out to Vegas, and uh, I came out swinging, and I came out like 15K ahead three hours. Damn, son. And that was like my first three hours with the team. And I remember driving down the strip in my rental. Mm-hmm. And I had the top down, I was banging music, I was feeling life, you know? Like, this is what card counting was supposed to feel like, you know? Right. And it doesn't always, but I was aware, and I was in the present moment, that, like, you know, just sun beating down, you know, on the Vegas Strip, you know, just feeling at home, you know what I mean? Like, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. Yeah, and it always feels good when you're, like, the new guy on the team, or, like, a rookie on a sports team, or the... Right. Whatever that you, you know, you come out, out the box, you're, you're helping the team, you know. Oh yeah, it felt really good. Yeah, it felt really good. You know, Darius obviously took over by the end of the trip and there were a lot more, you know, hiccups and blackjack took over again, like the reality. But those first three hours were awesome. That's so great. great. Yeah. Do you have any fun stories to tell? So yeah, there was a funny story on that same team trip. I was at a, a popular strip property and I was playing a six pack. And he spots a 200, and I wanted to surrender again. And so I put up my hand and gave the give me back signal to the dealer, and she hit me. And I was like, man, you know, I, I wanted to surrender that. She goes, no, that's hit. I go, this is a signal for surrender. Because no, you need to say it. It's hit. I go, I play blackjack. I play a lot of blackjack. I know that I have to touch the pedal for you to give me a hit. And the pit boss comes over, and he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, I try to surrender a hand. You know, I would like to see about getting my bet back, but maybe possibly surrendering. It was, you know, an honest mistake, you know, probably miscommunication. He's like, yeah, you know, it's crazy around here. Down at Mandalay Bay, it's this. He draws a line behind the bet. And he said, you know, in some places, you just say surrender. But, you know, it can be really confusing. And I said, well, you know, $200 is an expensive stake. Kind of giving him the out to, you know, maybe do the right thing to get your money back. And, you know, he was like, yeah, yeah, well, you know. And I felt like I was, I was out of my own at that time. He just tucked it on my house. He's like, suck it, you know, yep. deal with it. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. I don't, I'm just going to let this slide. I don't need any exposure. I'm just going to keep playing because the count's not to pick up. Sure. The count continued to pick up. And, you know, within three hands, I was betting max bets, you know, two by $800. And I won from that point on until the cock came out and there were just piles of black and purple chips in front of me. Sweet. And, yeah, and the pit boss never left the kiosk. You could tell that the, the, the deal was super irritated and, uh, you know, and I was puffing my chest out a little bit like, oh, I should suck it, huh? 
And so I push the chips in the middle, and I'm like, all right, chip me up, I'm out of here. And, you know, they chipped out just on the CTR level. And, you know, the dealer wasn't very surprised when there was no tip. Did you say anything when you're leaving the table? Well, yeah, she would, she would actually kind of tip us on a little, oh, that's a nice win, you know, doing all like the, yeah, the expectations right. like that I should be leaving or something. Yeah. I thought that was really ballsy after she screwed me like that. I mean, she absolutely she, knew that she probably pulled the trigger a little fast and, yeah. you know, that that was a surrender. And I felt like that was the vibe that I was getting. That she, she was going oh, to hold her ground, mm-hmm. but I think she knew that she was in the law and that she could have waited. She should have advocated for you. I mean, like you just said, she's working for tips. So, I mean, she should have advocated for you because it's no loss to her. It's That's not her money. Um, like, yeah, I think he, I think he didn't mean that. I think he just does it with, with the pit boss. Then it's ultimately the pit's decision. But if she's like basically on the same side as him, you're pretty much at their mercy, you know? Yeah, she did, she just didn't feel like yelling at my shit. She was just like kind of combative about it. She's like, no, that's it. All right, lady. I don't know. My first black guy table. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, even if you know, even if it was just something misunderstanding, it's like you know, like I was trying to surrender the hand. It was a sixteen versus an ace. It's a surrender hand. I'm not taking a shot. Like that's a surrender hand. Yeah, you're not like yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gave a shit though. So I got I got the best of them that time. Would have been awesome if you got a five. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard my story where I was uh, playing and just and I was on third base and I had a hard sixteen and uh, the count the count was at the point where I should have stayed deviation and this cocktail really good cocktail waitress walked by and I just went I just diverted the basic strategy and I did the hit signal actually no actually it was a double deck game so I scratched the cards and as the as the cards coming out, I'm like, oh shit, wasn't supposed to do that. And I got, I caught a five, and the dealer ended up having twenty, and everybody else lost but me. But I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. And the guy next to me was like, dude, you just won. And I had a, I don't remember my bet, but it was significant. And you know, he's like, why are you upset? I don't understand. And I was like, fuck. For like, fun. like the next two, three hands, I was like, shit, because I made a mistake. You know, those careless errors, you just take them at the end of the next round. Yeah, man. <clears throat> The guy was just mystified. Why are you upset? I, I don't know. That's a great, that's an awesome hit. And now's a great time to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can reach us on our website at tensonaces.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail at area code 518-289-0478. That's 518-289-0478. And if you still haven't gotten enough TNA, you can email us at tensonaces21 at gmail.com. That's tensonaces, the number 21, at gmail.com. Are you serious about becoming a Blackjack Advantage player? If that's your plan, then listen to the real pros first. They will tell you to test out and hone your skills before risking your starting bankroll. Check out the Advantage Player Refinement Program, offered exclusively by Archimedes21.com. The A21 APRP will tell you if you're ready. Until then, look into becoming an investor in Archimedes21 and start earning right away.
Hey, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and my biggest regret when I started out as a card counter was that I didn't have the tools I needed to succeed as a professional blackjack player. Because of that, I basically spent the first 500 hours of my career with a losing game and insanely high risk of ruin. Well, I've spent the last decade building out at blackjackapprenticeship.com the resources you need to not make the same mistakes I did, like the training tools to get a perfect game and the software you need to put together bet spreads and to scout casinos and network with other advantaged players. Learn more about what our membership has to offer by going to blackjackapprenticeship.com. Now, back to our show. So do you have any more colorful things that happened on the road? Yeah, definitely. On that same trip, um, I walked into one of the nicer strip establishments, went to the High Limit Room, was looking for a specific double deck game, and when I came across it, I had realized that the table minimum was $500, and yeah. nobody was nobody was in the area. It was a ghost town. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how long I was going to get over there, but you know, I asked a woman, I was like, do you think you could bring the table minimum down? I can play black chip. It's just, you know, I can't bet purple. I was like, you know, I might get up to purple, but I, I, I can't play purple all the time. She looks at her boss, boss gives a nod. I sit down and I start playing. And, uh, you know, I was doing well for a couple of shoes. And as I was doing well, I noticed that, you know, the floor woman was looking at my direction a little bit, you know, trying not to heat me out, but definitely sharp and, you know, right. noticing what was going on at the table. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, she also noticed that I started dumping and dumping and dumping. After the first hour, I was in my pocket, like $8,500. She had come over to the kiosk, interrupted the conversation with me and the dealer because I was talking about how bad I was getting my ass kicked. Right. And she was like, yeah, hey, you were, you were doing pretty good for a while. But yeah, now not so good, not so good. I'm like, no, I don't even know what I'm in for. Like, how much how much am I losing? And she was like, well, I kept you down at 7500 And I knew well that I was in 85 and you know right brought 5k in chips and then i was in another 35 and so i let her know and she's like oh yeah you're right you're right i missed one i go yeah i know i was losing pretty fast she goes well i'll tell you what eighty five hundred dollars and you're out the door <laughs> nice and so i sat there and processed that for a second and i was like huh the professional courtesy okay so she knows what's going on she's not going to let me win any money here but right. i can get my money back yeah goes, yeah it's like you know eighty five hundred dollars and you're out the door and then she like gave me this really soft touch on my arm. She said, "Take your time." And I don't know. I was I was somewhat comforted with that. That like she had my best sure. interest at that point. That she was like just meant it. Take your time. Do your thing. You got an eighty-five hundred dollar head start on you. Go to town. You know, We're, yeah, it was a free roll for her. Either yeah. they're gonna get they're gonna get more money out of you. I or... was either gonna leave down twenty k, or you know, or even even you know? they can't lose. Right. So. I pounded on that table for four hours. My mouth was dry. I had to go bathroom. Like I wouldn't leave the table. It was just rounds and rounds and rounds. Hammer at this table, and it was a seesaw. And I actually got close to eighty five hundred dollars just to lose it all and go in my pocket another thousand. So now I'm at ninety five hundred. And after another hour, I grinded all the way back up, and it was like this climactic moment where the dealer had a stiff and. I had an 11 and a pair of twos. I got the 10 on the 11 for 21. I split the twos. I draw another two. And I have three twos. Right. On the first two, turns into a double down, 21. Second two, I grab the eight, caught that 10 for a 20. And then my third two, I think I caught a 10. 
yellow bus. So the floor woman runs out like, like <laughs> a proud mom at a little league game, you right, know, and right. can't wait to just like come over and celebrate with me. Like I just hit a home run, my no, first husband. home run in little league. Yeah, right. She was like, you did it, you did it. And I was like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, she was like, yeah chip him up. <laughs> I love it. So the deal starts chipping me up and, you know, they try to give me a flag and I look at the flag and I go, purple, please. And she goes, of course. Can you explain to people who don't know what a flag is? A flag is a $5,000 chip. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's, that's a, that's a chip that just requires way too much scrutiny and right. can become a pain in the ass at the cage. It will um, become a pain in the ass. Yeah, absolutely. And never mind the fact that you're going to lose something like that, which can always be your excuse to why you don't want it in the first place. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, bad juju trying to trying to get those things. But so, she, it's from. funny. It's funny how she knew right away. Oh yeah, of course, of course, purple is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, take the purple. Yeah. All right, sweetheart, get the hell out of here. And <laughs> to, you know, in that last hand, actually brought me over the mark too. I think I ended up winning a thousand dollars out of that session. You know, just from that last hand. Yeah, right. So, so your your hourly AV was actually ended up being decent there. Yeah, no, nah, that was it was a great experience. It was stressful as hell at the time because I felt like they were gonna pull the plug on me at some point. I knew she had given me a, a free ride, but mm-hmm. you know, I figured I'm the only guy in this island that you know she's not the only person watching me. You know, and I was just spread with reckless abandon, playing as hard as I could, as fast as I could. You know, I wouldn't leave the table. I just couldn't give up any of the EV, you know? Right. So, and then, funny, because the next day, I walked out of that casino, and who was walking in, but the woman full person, my new best friend, she was walking in for a yeah, shift. sure. And the guy next to her was the boss that gave the nod to bring the table minimum down. And I saw them give a quick hug and a kiss, so I do the quick math on that, you know, and I'm pretty sure that they're husband and wives. So right. it kind of makes sense that, you know, maybe she had the juice to give me that rope. Yeah, right. Where I feel like under any other circumstances, especially on the Vegas Strip, that I would have been gone in the first hour. Yeah, that is very professional. Yeah. Uh, and just classy. And they should do that more often. It was. You you, know, like it you was said, you, you very well could have continued to dump and been out 20. Yeah, but she was ahead. Good. But the kid flex, you know? How it should be. That is how it should be. And I understand that at some point they have to cut their losses, um, but still, they shouldn't. The worst thing, the thing I hate most is when you're just getting stuck and then they cut you off right then. It's like, ah, not that that's the only casino on earth and it's all one long shoe and, you know, doesn't matter where you win from or lose from, but still, it's just a freaking bitter pill to swallow. Yeah, you know? it was an off-strip spot that I had hit and uh, I was there for honestly 15 minutes and it. I knew that I wasn't lasting long here. I was the only guy betting green chips. And it was a wow. pitch game. I was playing heads up with the dealer. I was small talking the pit boss about the airplane, saying that I was taking off the next day, whatever, just talking them up. Sure. And, I don't know, five minutes later, you know, I had spread a little bit. I had taken an insurance bet. An angry Asian guy came flying out of God knows where, like like we were on Iwo Jima back in 1945. <laughs> and he was super pissed off and wanted my head. And he was stone cold grilling me from about five five feet away. And as soon as I picked up my back, he screamed, shuffle up, shuffle up. So I looked at him and wow. like, bro, what is your problem? And I was like, that's really how it, how it is around here? That's how it's going to be? 
And that was enough. I chipped up and I started heading for the door. I think I had like four black chips in my forehead. Sure. Last thing I was going to do was try and get the cage. I know it was just $400, but this guy wanted a problem. I don't know what happened. He's obviously taking out some other experience on me, but you know, maybe I was the fifth guy they needed to kick out last hour. I have no idea. But anyway, right. I left and I called my boy and I was like, Hey, listen, I'm having trouble over here at wherever. And you know, I could use some help cashing out a couple chips. So he goes, I'll be right over. Comes sure. over, I give him the four black chips. He goes into the casino to cash the chips for me and he says, everything's going fine. And all of a sudden, the angry Asian guy comes like out of the sky. And now he's in the cashier's cage. <laughs> and he's like, can I help you? He goes, yeah, I'm trying to cash out. Like, is there a problem? He goes, do you have a play as guy? He's like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And this kid's a floppy. So, and he hadn't played at that casino. There was really no reason that he should have been getting black whatsoever. This is one of your uh, bachelor party trips? No, it wasn't. It was, it's totally separate. It was, it was actually on a team trip, but we had a, uh, a friend also along the trip. Uh, oh, you know, okay. he's okay. definitely aspiring, you know, um, aspiring EP, you know, working on his game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's down for the cause. He wanted to, you know, help a brother out. So I didn't have to deal with this guy because he was going to give me some serious problems. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so obviously I was right because, you know, he gave my buddy the hardest time trying to cash out four black chips. When it was, he already had play on his card too. It was like, there was absolutely no reason that this kid should make it. And he had a cash out. Four black. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, he was like, oh, $400 did pretty good, huh? Because you bought in for two. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What do you want, bro? <laughs> what do you want from me? Like, just give me the $400. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's shake. You know, there's probably four black chips, like, you know, stuck under the stuck under the register or something. You know, like it's a casino. He probably knew that was your that you left with four black. Yeah, I know I went around yeah. the world, but that was like the point of my story was that like he was waiting for me to come and cash out, and then when he saw those four black chips, you know, twenty minutes later, he had an inkling that you know I sent somebody in to cash out, and he rode my boy, and you know, uh, yeah, that's that's really it. You know, he uh, he made his life miserable. Bucks, so it's the exact opposite of the other experience you had mm-hmm. where they were professional with a lot more money on the line. Over 400 bucks is nothing, right. little tiny casinos don't even blink at 400 for, for black. That's nothing, you know, a little podunk town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, not to mention in Vegas, I mean, that's 400 bucks is like we're talking 400 dollars. Yeah, it's not gonna ride some guy who you've never seen before over 400 dollars because you think you know. Any, any, and he presents a player's card and it shows play. Yeah, it was it, absolutely totally justified that he could be coming out with four blacks to cash out, and he wrote him. Dude just had a hard on. He just, he just, he wanted blood. Wow, man, <laughs> man, that guy needs to get laid, right? <laughs> I was kind of a cocky dickhead to him on the way out the door, but you know, which yeah. isn't my usual mo at all. We're human, yeah. So, what is your both? Favorite things about the AP life that, you, that like translates into your real life, and what's something that you just don't like about the life? Okay, so what I like about the AP life and what I've gained from the AP life is learn about that my life is the byproduct of my decision making. Like on the blackjack felt where mm-hmm. you know you put yourself in a positive EB situation and you make the right decision, and you aren't always immediately rewarded. For that correct decision, you just have to have the faith that, yep. you know, um, consistently making the right choice is going to reward you somewhere down the road. 
Exactly. Um, like doing like staying home to study on a Friday night when you're in high school. So you get into a good college and then down the road, all those people who went out partying and maybe got C's instead of A's or B's didn't get into college. And now you're making twice as much money as or something like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, you make your own bed. You really do. And you know, blackjack, the game of blackjack really showed me that there are parallels to, you know, the decision-making making on the blackjack belt that, you know, carry over into, you know, your everyday life. If you're making positive EV decisions, positive EV life decisions, then, you know, um, you see the byproducts of those decisions um, collectively at some point. And it's not always right away. If I make a good choice today, I'm not going to see the result of that choice um, sometimes for, you know, weeks, you know, months, whatever, years. You know, yeah. just think about financial planning for my family. You know? There you go. Um, I'm not going to see the result of me putting away money for my kid's college education until it's time for them to go to college. Yeah. And then, you know, that's a byproduct of my good decision making. And 10% of your paycheck going into 401k, you're not going to see that for 34 years. Right. You know? But you're, it's when you get to that point in your life, you're going to be glad you did it. Right. You gotta, you know, life is life is all about investing in your in yourself and your own decisions. You know, um, making making a better tomorrow from decisions of today. Uh-huh. You know? And even sometimes in life, you're going to have negative variance in your life, you know, to yeah. bring it back to AP. You're going to have bad setbacks. and But if you make the right decisions and build on those decisions and don't build on poor decisions, uh, you're going to be way better off. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it does help you understand variance uh, in life when you start parallel to the, the blackjack as well. Because although you're making these good decisions, you're going to have these negative swings of deaths in the family or, you know, yeah. somebody's sick, you know. Life is Yeah, right. Sometimes just your car breaks down or whatever. And you're like, why do I deserve this? Like, why Why is this happening to me? At the worst, yeah, at the worst possible time, you, you know, your transmission goes out. when you, He's like, come on, my, I just put a new roof on the house. Now I got to pay for a transmission. Right. Like, right. You know, when it rains and pours, it's like, you know, sometimes life tests you and uh, you just have to have confidence in that you're playing your life hands correctly. You know, that, well, you know, listen, I've made the best decisions that I can with the information that I have about my life. And honestly, the cars are just going to fall where they may. You know, yeah, I don't have, I don't have a say in the results from these decisions. Your only say is to continue to make positive EV choices, be it on the blackjack belt or in the game of life. Just like with blackjack, the cumulative effect is over the long run, all those good choices are going to even out versus just, you know, being a ploppy in life and just like going and buying a car you can't afford, making decisions, you know, for now, going on tilt, like I'm going to yeah. party up this year, going on tilt in your life. Maybe you have a good couple of weeks or maybe a good couple of months or maybe even a good year, but eventually all those decisions are just going to lead to bad. bad there really is so many parallels to life. It's like life is one big casino. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> exactly. And like We're I all said, just bluffing our way through. Yeah, and like I just said before, life is not fair. And you know what? That's the same thing when you're getting bad variance on a blackjack table when all your top bets 
you know, you're double, you're getting double downs. It's all setting up perfectly. Dealer has a six. You're getting deuces. They're pulling six card 21s, like every hand, it seems like, even though it's not literally every hand, but it's just like, how can this happen? This yeah. is, you know what? Just like life. I'm making all the right decisions. Why is my life caving in on it? Yeah. And then some ploppy on first base is making horrible decisions, hitting a 15 into a six, yeah. you know, catching a six. <laughs> plopping yeah. plopping three hundred four dollar bet in a negative negative two count or something like that. Yeah, and then you know, a white getting black the street goes and hits you know three million on a scratch ticket. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Earl. That is something that you know I like about the AP life that I can parallel the principles of card counting into you know, relating with my actual life. Uh, I also like the cat mouse game. The yeah. psychological cat mouse game with the casino is gotta be my favorite. I, I feel like probably my strongest asset that I that I bring to the team yeah, as I'm far sorry. as you know, I, I put a lot of work into absolutely looking like a floppy, talking like a floppy. Yeah. You know, feeling like a floppy, the you know, the pit boss comes over and I'm I'm talking about what's on TV while I'm playing, you know. Um, you know, and I really set them at ease that I'm not a threat. I seem like a very distracted, you know, DJ. I, I had a situation one time, reminds me of a story, where I was like, look, I was pretending to look at a TV. And there was like some college football game on that I was pretending to look at and be, and then just glance at the table, get my information and then stare at the TV. Like I'm paying more attention to the TV than I'm in the, the blackjack game. And then somebody asked me what the score was. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know who's, I don't, I don't even know who's fucking playing. And. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. I really <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm not sure, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I can be very loud and boisterous when I'm winning and I can show that like I'm annoyed when, you know, things aren't going well. You know, I put on a production to really fit that, you know, guy out here tilted, yeah. blowing off steam. You know, I, I feel like I do a good job selling it. And, you know, I've noticed that you know, I don't get. I don't get the tap as much as the guys around me. Yeah, me so. either. I uh, I love the cat and mouse. My buddy, the snowman, he hates it. You can like when it, there's any kind of heat coming, you can see like the anxiety coming in his face. Um, he totally hates it, and he's a top top notch AP too. But he hates. We've had this discussion before. He hates the cat and mouse game, and I love it. Yeah. I like the whole thing, and uh, it's I like psychological feeling, chess. You know, yeah, feeling like a kind of like being 007 without getting shot at. You know, yeah, you gets, you know, it's like you're over here acting natural, and then you know, the pit boss or the cop comes over, and he's like sniffing around, and you just try not to, you know. Try not to show any fear. It's like, hey, what's up? How's it going? Any good restaurants? You know, um, yeah. you, uh, you know, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about the Red Sox this weekend? Just go right at them. Um, I hate the Red Sox. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> you don't hate the Patriots one? Tom Brady? I, you know what? I'll tell you what. I never liked Tom Brady, but he's one of those people that even if you don't like him, you got to respect him. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like Jordan. And then, and then when he took it, took a not great team, I think there wasn't Tampa Bay like seven and seven and nine or something like that the year before or something like that. And then he took him to the Super Bowl. I don't know. Yeah. The guy's a maniac. And he's 44. <laughs> right. The average career of an NFL player, I think, is like two two years, two seasons. Or Three years. And change. Yeah. It's, it's longer great... for it's longer for quarterbacks. It's like 10. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the average, like running backs, they don't last very long. You know, the average no. guy. Yeah. So, yeah, Tom Brady, I, when he was uh, – when they had that deflate gate thing, you know, uh, I heard this press conference when he was totally trolling everybody. He's like, yeah, I get, I get up in the morning and I check my balls. 
And, you know, he's all, you know, I grab him like this and I spin him around and he's all saying this with like, I didn't, I heard it on the radio. I didn't see him, see it, I, but I could imagine like there's a smirk on his face and these reporters are just beating him up and he just replying with these smart ass things about his balls and this, that, and sometimes they're soft, sometimes they're hard. And, was it, was it a commercial? I feel like that was a commercial. No, that was like a press. It was an actual interview. Yeah. Yes. Why do I feel like that was a commercial? I remember, I remember seeing the footage, but they might have made fun of it. Yeah, it was starting to flake it, right? Yeah. It was like, you know, these reporters are coming at him like hardcore questions and like, are you cheating and whatever, basically. And he's just coming back with them with these like puns about balls and how they put them in this box. They put the ball in the box or something, some kind of, there's some ch- kind of chain of custody with the ball. And he's like, yeah, I put my balls in the box. It's <laughs> 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 like, I don't know. And he's so like, hey, he, cause I guess they rough him up or something to get him you know, game condition or something. And he's like, I have the uh, equipment manager guy. Uh, have him rub, rub my balls up just how I like them. And he's, he's doing all, like five minutes of this. And they're asking him all these like real trying to be hard hitting questions. You know, that's the biggest news story and at least sports story in the country at that time. Yeah. And, at that point though, I mean, he answered those questions every day for months. It's like, how do you not troll the media at some point? I bet some of him, him and his teammates sat around like, let's come up with the things like oh, a yeah. So what I don't like about the AP life is the the strain it puts on the other relationships in my life. You know, my uh, my wife isn't always on board with my blackjack adventure, and you know there have been times you know in our relationship where you know we've been in some pretty bad spots because of my decision to continue playing and spend time away from my family and where my priorities are as the head of this household, being a husband, two kids, Mm -hmm. two young kids. And uh, so I think that's what, that's what I don't like about this life is because I think it goes into the misunderstanding of, you know, some of the people in your life as it pertains to advantage play. You know, to her, if I'm going out to Vegas or going out on a trip with my team, to her, it sounds like, you know, a weekend with the boys. Right. Or I'm, out, I'm out having fun. I'm out living the life and she's home with the kids. But You're what working. she doesn't realize is that, you know, I'm in a hostile work environment, you know, pedal to the metal, stressed out, trying to get, you know, as many hours as I can into the trip and working my ass off out there. And the average person, the civilian, when it doesn't understand AP, just can't quite grasp that. And, you know, my wife is one of those people. And, you know, it, like I said before, it puts, it puts strain on the relationship. It's been a point of contention many different times. We've actually gotten to a, much better place with it now um, mm-hmm. but you know it's it's put me in some tough spots and when i'm out on trips it's you know i you know i i do i you know i enjoy the trips and what i'm doing and it's my passion but i also do you know miss important stuff and i miss being home with the kids sometimes and you know yeah. the things that i have to do um don't always line up in the most convenient times you know i have to make hard decisions about all right well you know I have this going on, but I'm also supposed to be going on a trip that weekend. Right. But, so, you know, that that could be, say you were a business executive. You could have to go on conventions and go miss things. And yeah. Just, but, the, but the difference is the other half doesn't look at it like you're going to work. It looks like you're going to play. Well, I think the toughest part for her to, you know, really uh, understand is, you know, I have a full-time job and I'm a part-time player. 
I'm feeding my family with my part-time job. So it's not like AP is putting food on the table. AP to me is, you know, is an investment in my future. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, uh, an, uh, an investment account that I have on the side, you know, that will pay off for both of us and our family at some point down the road. But right. for today, it's just work, grinding it out, trying to grow that role. And, uh, you know, and I feel like down the road, we're all going to be happy that I spent the time, you know, in AP rather than, you know, in two softball leagues and playing golf every weekend. You know, all those come with expenses. You know, other guys I know, they're, you know, they have their hobbies and, you know, they're spending money on their hobbies. And my hobby is growing money. Right. And you don't seem like the kind of guy to me who would sit around and just sit around the house for uh, the weekend, maybe once in a while. But you don't seem like the kind of guy that's not going to be doing something, you know, softball leagues or whatever. I'm very busy. Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, AP is my passion. And I, you know, I I love, I love it. I still love it. You know, so, um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. How often do you go on trips with the team? Once a month? Yeah. About once a month. You know, we stay busy during the month, so. You know, yeah, in trips, doing all the stuff. Yeah, that's doable. I mean, you could be like in dart leagues, bowling leagues, softball teams, uh, all kinds of things. And like you said, all that stuff costs money. Right. So this thing, you're making money. I mean, you may be able to, when you're done, have an uh, extra little nut that will put one of your kiddos through college. Exactly. Know? I was thinking like, you know, maybe even like a down payment on a cape house, you know, yeah. or like somewhere on the beach somewhere. You know, yeah, like a vacation then, home for the family, and that could be for generations. Could have that. Yeah, exactly. Your hard work will, will you know, you know, pay for that house. Yeah, that's. It'll be, all, you know, that's. I, I promise it'll all be worth it someday. You know. Yeah. So. Right. Anyway, cool, man. So thanks for coming on, Ghost. Thanks for having me, Mike. Really enjoyed the time. Absolutely, man. So that's going to be it for our show today. I hope you guys all enjoyed part two of the interview with Ghost, and I will see you down the felt. Left me satisfied and smiling, so that's what she said. <laughs> Tens and aces, chips by the briefcases. I don't take insurance lessons. Plus three, I'm not wasting. Fifteen to sixteen on surrender, true kind negative. I hit if I'm positive, I might deviate and rip with the plus twelve. Then them faces getting split. I don't take advice from a dealer. I am not a ploppy. Fucking up the table, now the pit boss be all on me Do it all on the phone, highway Mandel Two hands table max, now the dealer yells I might step out if I feel I'm being scouted 
pump through later on back counting and go on in the tens and aces podcast double down your bets advantage plays and stories from the industry's best so stay in tune to see what's up next tens and aces maybe i'll go down to the track put it all on a horse why don't you put it in the bank bank this is found money. I want to parlay it. I want to make a big score. Oh, you mean you want to lose it? <laughs>